This whole past year, we've been trying to find examples of employers who supported their employees when the schools have closed down. Now that we've entered into the third or fourth wave of lockdowns and schools and nurseries are again closed, we wanted to bring you this very special episode, this fantastic conversation around how an employer, Orion Industries in the state of Washington in the United States, has been able to uh, bridge this gap and, and plug in this hole and solve this thorny issue of employees whose children are out of school, out of kindergarten. So our guest today is Christina Presley. She is Orion's HR manager since January 2020. She's an Air Force veteran. She served 12 years as a Spanish linguist and intelligence officer and military training instructor. And she has uh, spearheaded the effort of Orion's uh, learning pod that she started up after the announcement that remote learning would be how the school year would start throughout the state of Washington last year. So Christina and Orion's staff formed a cooperative to provide a safe supervised space of learning uh, for children of the employees. And this is what we're going to be talking about. She's going to tell you how the learning pod includes 20 kids from 13 families and six school districts. And it goes without saying that for these families, this has been an absolute lifesaver. So I hope you enjoy this very inspiring conversation. And I'm so thrilled that we're able to again tackle the issue of childcare and schooling and the role of employers. And I hope many of you will be empowered and inspired to take action on this and not think or be afraid that this is something that employers really cannot take on. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you discover the new world of work and learn how your organization can reach its full potential. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us today. To find out more about the Work Life Hub, please go to www.worklifehub.com. So thank you so much, uh, Christina, from, from joining me practically on the other side of the world. Uh, for this great conversation about learning pods, which I think is definitely a topic that's missing from the European conversation. Um, and I was delighted to see the work you have done. So um, before we get into really the pandemic response and the learning pods, may I ask you, Christina, to tell listeners a little bit about a context of Orion Industries, so your organization, um, maybe the sector, the size of the workforce where you're based, so that people know a little bit more about uh, the organization before we go into the more specifics. Absolutely. So Orion Industries is, um, we're actually what's called a social enterprise. And the enterprise part of what we do is that we are an aerospace parts manufacturing business. So we make airplane parts for Boeing and other companies. So that's the business piece of it. And then the social part of that is that we're actually a nonprofit and we've been in business since 1957. And our social mission is that we offer paid job training and job placement opportunities for people with barriers to employment. So people who may have a disability or history of addiction or 
homelessness or something that's keeping them from being actively employed. Um, what we do is we bring them in and we offer them paid training in our manufacturing business. And then uh, once they've established some history, some, some employment history with us and gained some of those soft skills that we know help people keep jobs, uh, in a steady way, then we help to place them into jobs out in the community. And we've been doing this work since 1957. We are in a suburb of Seattle. We actually have two locations. Um, we are south of Seattle in a town called Auburn, Washington. And then we also have a location uh, sort of northeast of Seattle in Mukilteo. So two facilities uh, offering the same sorts of job services to to folks and then uh making airplane parts so that's great um I, I didn't know that actually about you being a social enterprise but somehow now everything makes sense um because <laughs> you have reacted to the pandemic in a way that i think only if a very few employers have so would you like to take us through what happened when the pandemic started for you there in the U.S. Um, and and schools closed? Um, and what what were some of the supports that that Orion Industries and you have decided to put in place for working parents and and employees in general? Yes. So it's actually coming up on almost exactly a year ago that they decided to close the schools here and and start to move to an online format and. At first, you know, it was just something that we had to adapt to pretty quickly. Um, for the most part, I think uh, there were within our workforce. So at that time, we were almost, we were just under 400 staff members um, at Orion at that point. And we didn't have anything in place to sort of assist with this. So we were scrambling a little bit and allowing people to take negative PTO if they needed to do that to be able to stay home and care for their children or figure out a plan for their children to, um, you know, be accomplishing their, their online school in this new way. And then in addition to the challenges of the pandemic, you know, we also make airplane parts and mm -hmm. Boeing was, Boeing, who was our biggest customer was facing some challenges then as well. So um, when they, shut down production of the 737 MAX, that had a big impact on us as well. So we were sort of hit doubly in mm -hmm. the pandemic and then uh, with the challenges in the aerospace industry. So we, we came into a, a point in time where not only were um, our children being, you know, left at home to do their schoolwork, uh, we were facing business challenges as well. And so when sort of things closed down in the state of Washington, things closed down pretty quickly and um, sort of when Boeing decided that they were going to have a closure, then that was when suppliers like Orion decided to do that too. So we were actually closed, our business was closed between uh, the end of March and the middle of April last year. And so that allowed uh, parents to stay home with their kids and, and you know be allowed to do their schoolwork that way. Mm -hmm. And then when we came back to work, it was really, a challenge in terms of making sure that people were given flexibility in their scheduling so that they could, you know, take care of things at home that they needed to. Um, 
we unfortunately had to make some difficult decisions along the way. And through 2020, we ended up having to lay off about 50% of our workforce. So we are now uh, less than 200 employees. But, um, you know, we're still in a position where we needed to be able to support, you know, that many or that number of staff members as well. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a challenge, um, you know, sort of over and over again to, uh, to, to meet the, the ever-changing sort of landscape of employment throughout this past year. And then as we came up on the beginning of the new, new school year, I mean, I have, I have kids, right? I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old and, uh, you know, faced with knowing that as they were entering their new school years, they were going to be doing that virtually created a challenge really for me as well to figure out what I was going to do with them. And so um, I sort of looked back through my, um, my own toolkit, <laughs> my parenting toolkit. Uh, when I was, uh, my children were younger, I was part of uh, efforts to put, um, not learning pods together, but we called it a, a preschool co-op for my mm -hmm. children. And so that was something that I did when I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I, I sort of, you know, out of a need to figure something out for my own family, I sort of reached back to that. And it just kind of fell together that, you know, we had, uh, we had space in our building here in Orion. And knowing that I was challenged with figuring out what to do with my kids, I knew that other parents were going to be experiencing that as well. And so uh, the idea sort of landed on this idea of the learning pod. And yeah, so that's kind of how it started. My own needs to figure out what to do with my kids. <laughs> you know, I think that's going to resonate with so many of our listeners. It totally resonates with me. Uh, I have, you know, three kids, but two of them are similar age to yours. They're 11 and 16. And I have learned about myself that I'm the worst homeschool mom <laughs> ever. <laughs> you know, somehow the, the, you know, the early years of doing Play-Doh together and, you know, that doesn't compare with having to do chemistry and maths <laughs> and, and all of that with a teenager who just right. doesn't want to engage with this at all. So, um, I, I I so hear you and feel you and and I think so many people as well. So that's great. So 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 that was not, not great, but that great for you to explain that that was the the starting point, which I think so many people can relate to. And then so ha, you have I think you have heard about learning pods from somewhere, right? You have heard that there is this thing called putting together learning pods in the, in these bubbles, right? I, I did, yeah. So I, I probably looked up, you know, co-ops before I looked up or before I found the term learning pod. Um, but Facebook had a bunch of pages that sprung up sort of immediately and people were, uh, people, and I say people because it didn't at that point appear that there were a lot of companies that were doing this that you know, communities and neighborhoods and uh, friend groups were sort of pooling their resources and pulling these things together. So um, I, I went to those pages and I started following and, and just seeing how individuals were doing it. And then we really just incorporated that on a bigger scale for our 
staff here. So it was, I, I was able to, you know, find those resources pretty quickly. And so did you already have a, a, an idea about the, the scope of the need at, at Orion at the time? Did you have to do a survey or did you talk to employees or you already knew how many were in the same situation? Right. Well, I've, so I've been the HR manager here for just the past year, but uh, I worked in a different capacity in the company for three years before that. So I, I have a, a familiarity with the staff members here. And so I, I could identify just, you know, by knowing them sort of how many might need this. And uh, I did a, a little bit of a survey to see maybe people already had something planned, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it turned out that everybody was in the same boat as me for the most part. And so I identified at that point, it was about 20 staff members and their families that could utilize, you know, this kind of service. That's great. So, and then how did you, how did it take shape? So you established the, the needs, you, you learned that there is this thing called the, the learning pod. What was, was the first step? Was it finding a tutor or no hygienic? Actually, I was thinking, you know, where do you start with this? Right. Well, so we, so we have a facilities manager here and I was kind of throwing out the idea that I, you know, was thinking of putting together some sort of a co-op and you know he identified that we had a space so another component of our business used to be that we had a call center here and that closed a couple of years ago so we had this space in our building that wasn't being utilized and um it was a, a pretty technical space there had been a lot of uh computers and phones and stuff in there in the past so um we knew that we had a space and, you know, with the space and the idea, then it really was just a matter of getting the, uh, the senior leadership of our company on board and in support. So uh, I presented the idea to them and we are, you know, with the culture of what we do here, we're always trying to be creative and find ways to help people, right? And mm -hmm. especially, especially through the pandemic, that was uh, a big focus for us, for our staff members. So it was, I don't want to say a no-brainer, but it was kind of a no-brainer, right, that this was the right thing for us to do. And then it was just about being able to navigate how would we get, you know, all the things that we needed. And uh, the biggest concern for us initially was getting our insurance company to be on board with allowing this to happen in our building. So there were a lot of concerns about that, and I worked really closely with our insurance providers to answer all of their questions with regard to the safety of the children and who was going to have access to them and, and were the facilities sufficient um, you know, to, to be able to offer this service in this space. You know, when I read uh, the article where I, you know, stumbled upon this this great work and, and project that you did with the pod I was so surprised because this is something that I haven't even thought about you know that you had to uh, also look at uh, background checks of the people they would come in contact with right and and they right. would have to have a separate uh, toilet and, and and facilities that was something that I, I actually didn't even never thought that this this would be something that would have to be considered. I mean, of course, it is something that has to be considered, but I didn't even think about it. Right. 
Well, and luckily, you know, with regard to the background check, that's something that we do anyway for all of our mm -hmm. staff members because of the nature of the work that we do with people with disabilities and, and other challenges. So that piece of it was already in place. And then, yes, it was a matter of, you know, making sure that uh, we had separate bathrooms. And another one of the requirements that the insurance company um, made for us was that we needed to have abuse training Mm -hmm. given to any of the volunteers who were going to be working with the children. So, um, you know, so there were a few things that we had to, we had to get our ducks in order uh, with a few things before we were able to push forward and, and launch. But, um, you know, we were able to answer everything sufficiently. And as soon as we got the approval from our insurance company, then everything was a go. And how long, how long uh, did that take? So, so from, I would, think you know September or August when you you knew that there's something had to be done to to when was you know the opening right so I would say I, I worked probably through August with mm -hmm. our insurance company answering all of their questions making sure that uh, we had documentation of the background checks and um, and then of course there's the COVID consideration too right so there were a lot yes. of safety uh, things that we had to be concerned about. So I had to make sure that we could space things out appropriately, that we had measures in place for sanitizing the space and making sure that the children were wearing, wearing masks and all of that, which those were things we were doing in the manufacturing business too. So it just extended to what we were doing in the learning pod. There were also some agreements that we had to come to with regard to how the pod was going to function. So um, at this time as well, so within the, the last year, we've been doing what's called shared work, and it's within our unemployment insurance uh, program here within the state and, and federal um, agencies. And so uh, because there's not as much work as there was before, and because of the challenges of COVID, we have our full-time staff members for the most for the most part, they're working a reduced work week. So instead of working 40 hours a week, the majority of them are working 32 hours a week, which meant that they had a day <laughs> that mm -hmm. uh, they would be volunteering to supervise in the learning pod. So that was sort of a condition of participation was that, uh, yes, your kids can come here and do their school and it's free right? There's no charge for it. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a requirement that, you know, you participate and help out with supervision uh, on your days off. And what was the age uh, bracket of, of the children? So we had all the way from six years old was the youngest. Mm -hmm. And I think 16 was the oldest that we had. So we ended up when it all was said and done, we ended up assisting 13 families, and there were as many as 15 children in the pod uh, on any given day. That's great. Oh, oh, you know, all those those uh, families and children that didn't have to battle through this on their own at home right. day by day, which is, is I think, incredible. Um did you have any other major obstacles? Was there something where you thought, okay, this is never going to work? 
<laughs> well, I, I feel like every day I was like, oh my gosh, how much longer are we going to be able to pull this off? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but remarkably, everybody, because what I was really concerned about is that people would just become uninterested and not, you know, I don't mm -hmm. want to come there on my day off, even if it is free for my kids, you know. Um, but we didn't have that at all. Everything that we pulled together was truly a collaboration of effort and a pulling together. It really created a, a connection, I think, that wasn't there before between our senior leadership, um, management level folks, and then our staff members. So, um, you know, it just became this, this place where like, people volunteered, even that didn't have kids in there. They wanted to come and, you know, teach art classes or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and we had so many um, school supplies. You know, we just sent out, a, I sent out an email and I said, hey, we need some school supplies up in the learning pod. And it was, you know, instant. The next day we had snacks and we had, um, you know, all the paper and pens and markers and hand sanitizer that that we could need uh, was all donated by our wonderful staff and their families here. So it really was a remarkable way to bring people together in an effort that really provided assistance to the people that needed it the most. I mean, it sounds so great. Uh, can I just ask you a devil's advocate question? Because yes. th this is even with, you know, outside or before the pandemic has always been a, a maybe a hypothetical question around an organization, an employer helping or putting really, uh, going really the extra mile of helping employees who are parents with their care and childcare or education needs. Um, and whether that creates tension with, you know, the, the employees who do not have children uh, who may feel, okay, but what what is the organization going to do for me? Now, you already said that you had even colleagues without kids, perhaps mm -hmm. even without a stake in the whole you know, issue, but come and, and volunteer. But did you ever think of this? Did this you know, cross your mind, whether it's going to be seen as something that's a little bit unfair, you know, tilting to, towards benefiting those with kids or or was it just very organic and natural and this didn't occur at all yeah you know i i think it was organic I, I don't feel like there was ever any well you know why are they getting that and i'm not getting something too right like mm -hmm. i think again the nature of our business is helping people and you know the staff members that we hire are on board with that 100%. And so I think, honestly, I, I think that it created a great amount of goodwill um, among coworkers, regardless of whether they had children or not. You know, I don't think it was ever, I, I never saw or witnessed any, you know, time when someone felt like bothered about somebody getting something that we, they weren't, you know? So. And we, no, that, we created opportunities also where you know, to get the kids involved in certain things down in the shop. And, and for the most part, everybody loved it. We, I'm thinking about uh, Halloween, right? Like we had the kids um, 
all dressed in costumes for Halloween. And then I took just bags and bags of candy down into our manufacturing shop and we trick-or-treated the kids all through the shop that day <laughs> and everybody loved it. And so it was a really welcome um, distraction, was, right? Also yeah, a distraction just, from the whole, yeah. Yeah. It, it really lent to this feeling of family, I think, um, among our staff members. Absolutely. And, and solidarity. I think your whole business is based on, on the value of solidarity and, and this is just one of the manifestations of it. Yeah. Right. So how, how should listeners imagine, let's say a typical day, uh, in the learning pod integrated into the workplace? And by the way, I forgot to ask you, but is this still going on or have the schools already reopened? So the schools are in the process of reopening and toward the end of last year, um, we started to see attendance dropping off. And so we, we sort of did another survey and asked, you know, is this something that is still needed? We were prepared to, you know, be in this for the long haul. There wasn't sort of a stop date on this for us, uh, for the leadership here at Orion. Um, but once I did a survey and I, I learned that, you know, parents had kind of come up with their own solutions and it evolved over the four months that we had the learning pod open. So, um, you know, people were able to come to their own sort of plan about how to handle it. I think that the learning pod served as a sort of a, a bridge, you know, mm-hmm. to help people from not knowing what they were going to do to having figured something out on their own. And so um, just before the end of 2020, we, uh, we closed it down. We just sort of lightly closed the doors um, with the understanding that we didn't know how things were going to go in the new year. Um, but it appears that everyone still has their own plans in place. And so we haven't had the pod open uh, yet in 2021. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. And so, and so how, how did it work? Um, would just employees come with the kids and drop them off there? And then from there, yes. how, yep. how, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it really was, uh, you know, they would bring their kids on the days that they needed them to come. So not all the kids came every day. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but when they would come into work, they would drop the kids off. So we are our regular shift starts at 7 a.m. So they would drop the kids off at 6.45 and, and our learning pod is upstairs in our building. And then the manufacturing shop is downstairs. So they would drop their kids off upstairs, find them in and, uh, and then go to work, right? And so I, I think that was uh, one of the best pieces of all of this is that they could go to work and rest assured that their children were nearby and being taken care of and accomplishing their schoolwork. And so, um, you know, that sort of pressure or that unknown element of, I don't know what my kid's up to was, was gone. Right. So, so they would go to work. We would see the parents come upstairs, you know, during their breaks and their lunch hours. Um, we had, so I had reached out and part of the planning of the learning pod was that I, I wanted to, see if we could get food service in for them. And mm-hmm. so I reached, out, I reached out to the local school district here in Auburn, and they agreed to put us on their lunch bus schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, so school lunches and breakfasts were delivered every day. And so that was a, a really good, um, and it was free, right? So none of this cost anything to our employees. So their kids were fed and supervised, and doing their schoolwork. And so 
it was, I don't know what I can say, except that it was a great experience to have the kids here and to have everybody so involved in the success of that effort. I think, you know, I'm so impressed, uh, you know, by, by, by what you have done on many different levels. On the one hand, it, I think childcare and homeschooling is the biggest headache out of all of this. I, I know that, you know, there are people who are lonely and those yeah. who have care responsibilities for, you know, disabled or elderly or ill relatives, but, but, but. The school care, the the schools and the child care was, was a huge, huge challenge, especially for those employees or workers who cannot work from home. If you have to go and you know work in manufacturing in a on the shop floor, there's no you can't do that from home. So, so I think that adds an an extra layer, and then you know all the research of all the pediatricians were saying that for children's mental health. You know, they they need the community. They need to be with peers. They need to, you know, go out of the house. So I think your pod idea and and the pod that you implemented has ticked so many very important boxes. And then last not least, it is a cost. You know, it it costs so much money to have, you know, good quality care for your children out of school. I mean, if you want a tutor, if you want a nanny, if you want some out of school activities, all of these are very expensive. So I'm very impressed by, by what you have done, Christina. Oh, well, thank you. It, it really was, and I, I have said this time and again, but it was a labor of love, right? It was as much, you know, it, it benefited me, but um, I am more proud that it benefited as many of our staff members as it did. And like I said, through this crazy, difficult time, you know, we knew that we could, uh, you know, come to each other and look for some solutions in, in all of these challenges. Do you see, is it maybe too early or do, do you already have a, an inkling of, of what could be the legacy of this project? You already mentioned that it really brought employees together and, and created a familiarity uh, you know, or taking the familiarity between teams and employees to a next level. Is there something else that you see came out of it or may come out of it? I think that our staff members knowing that, because you know how it is in business, right? Like there's not always um, a culture of caring between the senior staff and the, you know, the uh, staff members, the employees. And I think that the lasting effect of this for us is that it has just been an extension of our culture of helping, right? And we work a lot with our clients to make sure that they're being taken care of and we're doing everything that we can to support them in their efforts to find employment. Um, and I think that our staff members maybe sometimes feel a little bit left out of that, but Mm -hmm. in doing this with the learning pod, it really extended that goodwill and that, I think, sense of real care about our staff um, to, you know, to them from the senior, senior leadership. And I, I think that that has been um, the most impactful and lasting effect of being able to do this with the learning pod. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally, totally can feel that. That's, that's so great. Um, before we go to the last question, may I ask you, Christina, would you like to share with 
with the listeners where they can maybe read more or find out more about this, where they can maybe get in touch with you? Absolutely. So um, I'm available on LinkedIn. So it's Christina Presley or Christina.Presley. I'm not sure exactly how it um, appears. And then also Orion Industries website is um, OrionWorks, W-O-R-K-S dot org. Great. Thank you for that. So coming to to the last question, which is um, more or less always the same here on the Work Life Hub podcast. If I could ask you, Christina, to give an advice to other organizations or HR leaders or senior managers who are maybe still on the fence or, you know, still unsure, you know, how they can support working parents, how they can support their employees through the pandemic. I mean, not necessarily with the pod, but do you have a, you know, your your lesson learned or an advice that you could give them to, to, you know, from what you have learned, what your experience was in supporting uh, employees and parents through through this? Yes. So, so what I have learned is, and I was about to say that uh, being hands-on is really important. And I say that, you know, sort of in jest because we're not supposed to have our hands on anything right now, <laughs> you know, with, with the masks and everything. But um, as the HR leader that I have learned to be in this last year, it's been really important for me to ask people what they need and to mm. be present and to really try to be creative in finding solutions to these challenges. And, um, and fearless, I and, think. Yeah, I mean, you have to be willing to take a chance, you know, and had I not, you know, brought up with our senior leadership here, this crazy idea, you know, <laughs> you know, it, who knows what we would have done, you know? And so I think, yes, be fearless, think outside the box, and, and just be creative in your ways of, of thinking about how you might be able to support each other. That's great. Thank you so much, Christina. I I thoroughly enjoyed um, listening to you, listening to your experience. I I was getting goosebumps at some point, you know, thinking of of all, all the parents and this and this great initiative that you did, and and really just congratulations and uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast and and sharing this with the listeners. And I'm wishing you, you know, better times and just the you know just the best of success going going forward. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I, I really am so proud of the work that we've done here, and I'm I'm really happy to to share um, any of what I've learned with with everyone. So thank you. 